0: So, I moved to South Carolina in 2001, and I came to school at Columbia International University. And uh, the reason I came to Columbia National University was because of one professor named Huli Goddard. So, I moved down, I knew no one here except for him. When I got here, he was on sabbatical. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. So, instead, they introduced me to a man named David Olshine, who's the chair of the Youth Ministry Department. And I thought in my head, we were never gonna get along. And um, turns out we did. And um, many, many years later, I've been very, very thankful for David Olshine, who he and Huli both have poured into my life for my three years at CIU and well beyond that now. And um, this is a huge gift for us this morning to have David come and speak with us, who's been invested in our church for a very, very long time and has been invested in me personally for a very, very long time. I lived on his couch for three weeks at one point in time along with Nick Cunningham because we had no place to live before school started. So very generous, generous man but also someone who has really seen a lot in me as I've grown older and I'm very thankful for that because oftentimes I couldn't see it myself. And so today as he comes to bring us God's word, I'm excited because I know that he'll do the same for you as he looks into each and every one of our lives through the lens of scripture and challenges us to live a life that honors God and live it through community. So I wanna pray for him this morning, I'm gonna unleash him on you. I know you'll enjoy this, let's pray together. God bless Olshine today. Thank you for his investment in my life. Thank you for the investment that he's made in this church. And God, I thank you for the investment he's making in young people every single day. Would you bless him today? Would you use him in a powerful way? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Everybody, David Olshine. Morning. How are you?
1: You guys awake? Yeah, good. Could your teams win this weekend? <laughs> loaded, loaded question. Oh, it's great. This, is, this building's cool. This is neat. You know, you might not even recognize it after three months because you'll just get used to it. But it was because of the generosity of you and God orchestrating the architects and the So let's just thank God and let's thank everybody else for doing this building. This is pretty cool. Pretty cool. So how many of you have dogs? Can I see how many of you own a dog? Okay? And how many of you have cats? I'm sorry. I've had two dogs, Lucky, a dachshund who got run over, wasn't lucky, <laughs> wasn't a lucky day, and Tiger, he was, a, he was fierce, I and mean, they actually had to take him away from us because he was biting people. Um, I had one cat, and our cat was 19 years old, and um, I accidentally ran over our cat. It was, it was sad. Uh, my wife calls it assisted suicide, but and nonetheless, uh, dogs are fun animals because you can train them, you do have them do tricks and and fun stuff. But also the the great thing about dogs is they become friends to you. And when you, you ever lost a dog? You ever lost a dog? It's sad, isn't it? It's like a member of your family's gone. But there is also something you need to know that there are times we know what dogs are meant to do, but there's times that dogs fail to be dogs. And here's what I mean, watch this clip and you'll see. we know when a dog fails to be a dog don't we when they can't do the tricks you want them to do but we don't always know, though, because when God created us, he created the animal kingdom, he created the human kingdom, and we are part of the human kingdom. So turn to the person next to you and say, you're a part of the human kingdom. That's right. You're not a part of the dog kingdom. You're a part of the human kingdom. And, and how do we know if we're fulfilling our role as humans? Well, we go back to Genesis, and the way we fail to be human begins very early in Scripture. When we fail to connect with people, when we fail to relate to each other as human beings, when we fail to have a relationship, when we fail to, to love one another and be with each other. And the scripture goes on to say this in Genesis after God made Adam and Eve. He says, it's not good for humans to be alone. It's not good for the man to be alone. Now, a lot of us use that scripture. I've used it in, I've done 35, 40 weddings. I've used this scripture in every wedding. We usually relate to that as a wedding and it's true. But it also relates generally into the larger scheme of things of life that it relates to it's not good for humans to try to do life alone. We were never meant to be in non, in kind of an isolated mode. We were never meant to be in silo. We were always meant to be connected and in community with other human beings. So when I graduated from Ohio University, I went off to a place called Asbury Seminary to grad school to become a pastor and a teacher and a preacher. And in my first year at Asbury, um, I was told on day two, do not go across the street to Asbury College, which is now Asbury University. And we were like, why not? They were like, because if you go over there, it looks like you're trying to find a date. It looks like you're looking for a woman. It looks like you are a stalker. So my roommate and I, Dan, we thought about it for a minute, and then we proceeded to go across the street. So we went across the street, Keith, and uh, there we were. We went to this first dorm, and we heard music. And we were just, you know, we were new to this place, so we're just kind of roaming around, and we find ourselves in a dorm, and we hear this worship music. And we go to the basement, and I hear more music, and then I see this beautiful brunette, and I love brunettes, and uh, uh, especially the one I'm married to. And her freckles, I noticed the, uh, she's standing up with white painter pants, and she has freckles and she's praying for the Jewish people. Now I was raised Jewish. If you can't tell, you can look at my nose both ways. And I came to Jesus when I was 19 years old. I'm a Jewish, it was called a Messianic Jew. Or I'm a Jewish Christian. So I, I just was like smitten by her. I was like, she's praying for Jewish people and she's gorgeous. I love brunettes, I love freckles. And I leaned over to my roommate, Dan. And I said, someday I'm gonna marry her. Now I was just blowing smoke. I didn't know what I was talking about. Never saw her for a whole year. Fast forward a year, I'm in the Asbury Seminary Library. Now, I'm not there to study, okay? I am there to check out the chicks, okay? That's why I'm there, okay? I'm not a study guy, and in walks Rhonda, and I notice her, and I remember her, and I went up and I introduced myself. Now, I was doing what I call the guy thing, like I'm trying to be really funny. Now, this was late 70s, so I got these big, thick, honking glasses, okay? Does anyone remember the 70s thick glasses? Some of you remember those? And so here I am, I'm kind of trying to be funny. I'm going, (laughs) and she's going, he's so stupid. I said, well, I'll I'll see you later. And and in the Azurus Seminary Library, there's these big beams that hold up the building. And so what I didn't realize, it was right behind me. I said, see you later. Boom, ran right into that thing. Broke my glasses in half. Picked up my glasses. She said, do you need an Advil? I said, I do, please. And I don't know, I think she felt sorry for me We had that kind of that uh, Romeo, Juliet, kind of Florence Nightingale effect. So she felt sorry for me, so we, we got married. And we've been married, we've been married 35 years last month. Here's a picture of us. Any, any Seinfeld fans, you like that Kramer haircut? You like that Kramer haircut? Some of you are laughing, you don't have hair, some of you. We think about marriage when we think about Genesis 1, but it's actually much, much larger. And we humans fail to be humans when we don't connect with each other. It's in our DNA. It's in our DNA to be connected. It's in our DNA to have relationships. That's why the Bible uses 21 times stuff like love one another, serve one another, encourage one another, lift one another up. Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. We were wired for relationships. It's in our DNA to be connected to people. It's not in our DNA to be hermits, to be isolated. It's something inside of you that you can't get away with. And one of the things I know about life is that as a pastor and as a professor, I know that the more isolated people become, the more vulnerable they become. The more vulnerable they become to depression and suicidal thoughts and suicide. And I've done four funerals that were suicide victims and they'd all become isolated. And we know this from human nature, we know this from experience, we know this from studies, that the more people become isolated, the higher the risk of them falling, being vulnerable to depression and to suicide. We were wired by God. There's something innate within us that says, I need to connect. I need a relationship with you. Well, how does this work? Well, in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus has a profound saying that I always thought was just about prayer. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. We all know that if we were raised in the church world, we know that it deals with prayer, but does it? Is there something more? I think so. Because Jesus starts in Matthew 6, at the end of Matthew 6, by saying, listen to this. If you want a right relationship with God, learn to deal with worry. Learn to deal with anxiety. Then he starts chapter 7 by saying, don't judge one another, because you don't know what's deep inside that human being. You only see the external. You only see the exterior. You don't know what's on the inside. You don't know what's on the internal so he goes, Don't judge people. And then don't throw your pearls before a swine. Don't throw these powerful things of wisdom that you have for people who they're going to mock you or laugh at you or not going to listen to you. And then he goes to this ask, seek. Not. Now, Baptist preachers and Methodist preachers are notorious at using what's called an acronym or an acrostic. It's like a word, like we'd say David, Anyway, D is for dynamic and A is available and V is for vocal, you know, you know what I'm saying? And so Jesus uses an acronym here, it's ASK. And I never saw it till this week, not read this passage a zillion times. A is for ask, S is for seek, K is for now. got that? Let's try it. Ready, ready? A is for, S is for, got it? K is for, yeah, you got that. I didn't know that. I didn't see that. And I didn't see that as far as relationships. So Jesus is talking about the first thing is ask. Ask is for asking for help. Now, when you ask someone a question, you know what you're doing? You have any idea? You are validating them you are making that person feel valuable. You're actually making that person feel like an expert. So you say, hey, could you give me directions to this? Or have you ever thought about this? Or hey, where's the best place to find good shoes? Or what do you think about this? And when you ask someone a question, you're validating them. You're basically saying, I'm inviting you into my life for input, for feedback. And so when we think about relationships, Jesus says, ask, and it shall be given to you. Asking for help, saying, I need you in this. And there's people in this room that have wisdom and experience that other people need that we can't get if we're sitting in our house watching a football game. And that's a good thing. And that's an okay thing. But what we need from each other is to ask. I need your help. I need your insight. The S is for seek. And this has the idea of being lost and being found. Have you ever? How many of you parents have ever lost your kid in a, in a grocery store or something? Oh, come on, I know there's been more than one. Come on. How many of you have ever lost your kid? Could, could, group therapy moment. How many of you, and like, like, like last week, how many of you as a kid ever got lost? Okay. And it's frightening. It's a frightening experience, especially when you're old, you know, when you don't know where you're going. Have you ever gotten lost driving? There's something really crazy about that. I remember our second anniversary, uh, this was pre-cell phone pre-GPS and Ron and I were going to New England for our second anniversary and we got to Boston and my wife is a mapaholic. Does that make sense? She loves maps, like like driving maps. And so we get to the point where, and I'm one of those guys, I don't know if you men can relate to this, but I'm like one of those guys that if I get lost I don't tend to ask. Is there anybody can you, thank you? God bless all four of you. I mean and so we're we're lost. I mean, and my wife starts going, "We're lost. We're lost. We're lost." So every time she said "lost," yeah, and I go faster. She said, "We're lost. Yeah, we're lost. We're lost. We're lost." And I pulled over and said, "All right, we're lost, but at least we're making a great time." Now, asking, seeking to be found, and then knocking. Knocking has the image of this door, where we say, "I'm asking you to invite me in." Have you ever had someone knock on your door and you're kind of like, you don't know who they are, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, not sure, you know, mosquito guy, I mean, you're not sure who they are. And you're, you're kind of like, they, they wanna come in, but you don't wanna let them in. That's a problem when it comes to relationships in the body of Christ. See, God has wired us. God has so put inside of us this, this need, this emotional, physical, mental, spiritual need to connect, to relate to people. It's in our DNA. Now, the scripture gives us in Titus a really practical way of pulling this off, and I love this, because God says to us here, this is how to do life together. Listen to this passage. In Titus chapter two, the apostle Paul writes, Pastor Timothy, teach the older men to be temperate. Teach them to be worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love and endurance. There's no mention of prayer, no mention of how to do a Bible study. Listen, teach the older women to be reverent in this way, not to be gossips, not to be addicted to too much wine. Urge the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, to be pure. Encourage the younger women to be pure. Encourage the younger men to be self-controlled. Notice the methodology of the body of Christ. The community is older to younger. Now, if you're 35 or older, put your hand up. The body of Christ needs you. Those that are younger than you, both age-wise and spiritually, they need your wisdom. They need your insight. They need to be sharpened by you and trained by you because you have something to offer that they don't have because a lot of them don't know what they don't know. Now, I work with university students and I've been at Columbia International for 24 years. And these kids are sharp, but they they lack the experience. They lack the wisdom and they need that from us. And the Bible says here, older, train the younger. Older women women train the younger women. Older men train the younger men. And you're saying, you don't get it, old shine. You don't know my life. You don't know that I've been divorced twice. Old shine, you don't know. I'm disqualified. I'm not worthy to do this small groups, community stuff. I don't even know the Bible. In fact, I don't even think I could find Leviticus. I don't even know if I could spell Leviticus. Oh, you don't understand me. I'm a financial bust. I've been bankrupt before. You don't understand, Old Shine. I have blown it sexually. You just don't get it, Old Shine. Oh, I do. I do. And I would say this you are more qualified. That makes you more qualified because you've been through the pits, you've been through the valleys. You've been on the mountaintops and you've been in the most horrific experiences of your life and that actually makes you more qualified to get involved with someone else to say, here's where I blew it. Here's where I made some mistakes and here's how I can maybe help you avoid what happened to me. Does that make sense? You say, you don't understand, shine. I just don't have it together. He needs you. Say, David, I, I haven't even come to a relationship with Christ yet. That's okay. We need your questions. We need your curiosity. We need your struggles. The Bible doesn't say you've got to be perfect. The Bible says there's only one person that's ever been fully, completely without sin, and that's Jesus. and He's the standard. None of us have come close to that. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus came. You don't have to fix yourself up to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and give your life to him and he fixes us up. The older pouring into the younger. I'm asking you this morning, men and women, to do the ask, asking, seeking, knocking, to get yourself involved with some other people. Start small, invite someone out. There are so many people in this room that you can learn from and I can learn from. And if you put yourself in a posture, Hear me as a mutual learner, not just oh, I am your teacher, David Oshine, and you will learn. No, 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 no. I learn from you, you learn from me. How many of you are parents? Can I see hands? How many of you parents would agree that you've learned a whole lot from your kids? In fact, how many of you would say that you may have learned more from them than they've learned from you? Absolutely. I'm asking you to do the ask. Who's invited to this? We all are. We're all invited, seeker, lost person, disciple of Jesus, disciple maker, the person who's actually a teacher of disciples. We're made for community, not isolation. And you you will leverage your influence. Those that are 35 and older, Pouring into the younger, pouring into peers, start with a coffee, start with Starbucks, start with a free lunch. If you need some guidance, I love free lunches, okay? If you need my help, don't be afraid to ask me. Love free lunches, Keith, just FYI. Now, you think you're disqualified because you don't have it together. You think that you're not able to do some of this community stuff because you're not sharp enough. You're not the sharpest blade in the drawer. Nothing could be further from the truth. I was telling my students last week, I've spoken to almost 2 million people in my lifetime. I can actually tell you this with all honesty to tell my students, I've learned more from my failures than from my successes. We need you. The younger generation needs you. They need your wisdom and your losses. And we fail to be Christ followers When we start to avoid and ignore each other, don't ignore each other. You're a gift. You're a gift of God to God, from God to someone else. So last week, someone had a birthday, and I gave them an Amazon.com gift card. I didn't do it for me, I did it for them because I wanted to share the wealth. And every one of you has a toolkit. And inside your toolkit is wisdom and experience and losses and successes and failures. Every one of you has something that you can offer someone else. And most of us do not learn things in silo. Most of us don't learn everything we need to know from our family system. And that's why we need the body of Christ for people to help empower us to be who we need to be. Chances are you've belonged to a gym before. And I've seen a lot of well-meaning people who've gotten extra heavy or people who just want to lose a couple pounds and they get after it. But they don't just do it solo. They get in a class. They get in like RPM, a bicycle class or a weightlifting class or a swimming class. And they do it for two reasons. One, the relationship and two, the accountability. And they always come out there feeling better about themselves. And yeah, I've lost three pounds this week or I'm doing really well. But show me someone who's trying to lose weight solo hardly ever works. Show me someone who's addicted to pornography, someone who's got a a drug or alcohol addiction, it's a substance abuse. Try to show me those people who try to do it by themselves. I almost guarantee you 90% of the time they fail. But you show me someone who gets in a 12 step group or they get an accountability group or they get into therapy or they get in a Christian small group community, I guarantee you there becomes health and growth and wisdom and guidance. Does this make sense? It's in community. We're wired for it. We were made for this. What's in your toolkit? Spread the wealth. You were not meant to keep it to yourself. You built this building because of your generosity. That was money. But hey, now use some of your other gifts that God's given you. The Bible says every Christian has a spiritual gift. And you're like, well, I'm not a Christ follower yet. You still have gifts to offer. You have things that we can learn from. I've been in small groups for years and years. Let me tell you about some of the people I've been in small groups with. The first person here is Huly Goddard. Hooli Goddard's to the left. My son's in the middle. Hooli and I taught for 12 years at CIU. Great person. Love this guy so much. You know what I learned from him? Intentionally relational. If you're going to be relational, you got to be intentional about it. The next slide is Stuart Ryle. He's on the left. He's a Clemson fan. I'm a Gamecock fan. We don't really like each other's teams. We kind of don't root for them at all. But you know what? We were in a small group for two years and we were friends. You know what I learned from him? Last year his dad died at 54. Stuart's 21. Should not, no 21 should have to go through this, but we do. Guess who did the funeral? Stuart did for his dad. He did the eulogy to 1200 people. It was powerful. 3 weeks before his dad died, he led him to Christ. Stuart led his dad to Christ. You know what I learn from Stuart it's good to grieve. When you lose someone, it's good to grieve. Next slide, dear friend of mine, Larry Wagner, has taught with me for a number of years. We've been a small group for 20 years and three years ago, he got leukemia. He had to go down to Tampa, Florida, was in a hospital for 29 days, they did some some stem cell stuff and he's a miracle walking. And I've learned listening skills and asking good questions. I've learned from Larry one thing, Resiliency. This is what people offer to us. I don't approach these groups as I'm the teacher. You're the, No, 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 it's mutual. The next slide is a great friend of mine. He was my best man at my wedding, Keith Wasserman. Keith Wasserman is the director of a shelter for the, for the homeless in Ohio. And the thing that I've learned from Keith more than anything else is compassion for the poor, compassion for people who don't have much. Next person you'll know, Nick Cunningham, how many of you know Nick Cunningham? How many of you love Nick Cunningham? Nick Cunningham and I are buds. Nick Cunningham is someone I've mentored and disciple. but Nick Cunningham has taught me two things, be curious and be inquisitive. Next slide, Trevor Miller, Trevor Doe Miller. Trevor camped out in our house for a while, they were homeless, we brought him in, love Trevor Miller. You know what I've learned from him? Creativity and laughter. Every time we're together, we just laugh, laugh, laugh. You know what though? There's two things about there's there's some things I'm working on on Trevor and Nick. I'm trying to teach them how to return phone calls. Okay, so if if you know them, help me out. Last, Hunter Green Myers. I did his wedding last weekend. He was in my small group at CIU. I've learned three things from him: read good books. Drink strong coffee and watch Star Trek reruns. You and I are a gift to one another. What's that look like practically? You have a toolkit in your life, I'm sure you do. And maybe for some of you, community means this. It's like a hammer with a nail. And I've got to nail some things down in my life. And for some of you, It's like, man, you know, I don't know the Bible very well and I need to open up uh, this Bible and Nick and Trevor's new book called One and I need to figure this stuff out. Or for some of you, it's like, you know what? I just don't get finances at all. I just can't manage my money. Well, you need some people in this room who can help you out. You know, I teach at a university where hundreds of these students are in, in, in debt up to their ears. To their eyeballs and some of these kids want to be missionaries and they want to go overseas and half of them will never get there because they are poor money managers and someone needs to come in and invest into the younger generation to help them learn how to do it some of you you need a little light in your life here's a little dimmer switch you need some light in your life you need some encouragement small groups and communities just for that lift one, it's not cult-like, it's not weird, it's not, you don't know, sit around and sing kumbaya, you don't know, sit there and memorize hundreds of verses, it's you're sharing life together. How's it going? What's going on with your life? How's your kids? What's going on? How, how's, it, how's it going with your new job? You're just doing life together. Mostly, it's about relationships. It's about relationships. It's about connecting with other people. It's about finding out who they are, what their burdens are, where their struggles are. Now your action step this morning is really really simple. Contact Nick Cunningham. And keep bugging him if he doesn't return your call. Keep bugging him. Contact Katie McConnell, or get online today to the One Life and and look at the survey that they're asking. Or immediately afterwards, you can find someone that can tell you how to get into a small group, a Sunday school. Why? We were never meant to do it alone. I can't do it alone. I remember years and years ago as a young Christian, I remember getting really mad one day. I was like, God, I can't do this Christian life alone. And the Lord said, now you're getting it. Now you're getting it. So as we close today, would you become a part of a small group community? Would you start saying, who do I need to be connected to? You're like, oh, this freaks me out, it's scary, it's spooky then call someone and do coffee, do a lunch, do something in a way that will connect you so that you don't fail being a human by failing to be connected with people. Father, would you today help us, help us not fail to be a human by ignoring each other. Forgive us God for those times that we've ignored you vertically and missed the horizontal as well. Thank you Lord that you want us to do both. And for those today who've never come into a right relationship with Jesus, Lord, I pray that today they would take that step to just invite you in to make a difference in our lives We can't do it alone And then along the way To do the ask To invite some other people into their lives Start today Go out to welcome to Bo's, Do something today Father we need you but we need each other We don't want to fail Being humans By not being in relationship With each other pray, Lord, for each person here that they will ask that question today. Who do I need to connect with? Who do I, do I need to impart wisdom to? Who do I need input and feedback and wisdom from? And I pray that it'll happen starting right now. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said together,
0: amen.